0: Thank you so much uh, for inviting us into your day, into your afternoon, wherever you are. We're excited. I hope you had a good time during praise and worship. Uh, What a powerful thing uh, worship and music is. There is something spiritual that takes place when we exalt the name of the Lord uh, together with song and music. Um, Now we're going to get into the Word. This is my wife, Emily. My name is Joshua, uh, one of the pastors here at Resurrection Life, and God has put something on our hearts that we're going to be sharing with you today, and so we're excited.
1: Have you noticed during this COVID season that people have maybe picked up some new habits? Have you noticed more people at the park, perhaps? (laughs) I know we've noticed something, um, a puppy boom has been happening across a lot of our friends. There are a lot of new puppies happening, which is really cool, and Josh and I keep joking around that after the puppy boom, maybe we'll start hearing about the baby boom uh, soon to come. But
0: That's not a joke indicative of anything going <laughs> of anything on here, like with us. not expecting.
1: <laughs> but the joke is it will only be first-time parents because the rest of us were way too busy with the kids we had. Um, And what will those kids be called? You know, COVID kids, The, I've heard all kinds of funny things. Well, Josh and I did do something kind of crazy. It's not a baby announcement, but we did do something crazy during this COVID quarantine and we did get a puppy. We love this little guy. He's now about 15 weeks old. He is, oh, there he is. He's the cutest little golden doodle there you ever did see. Now, one of the joys that I have is I get to work from home. And because I work from home, I get to build different routines into our day. One of the routines I have is every day during lunchtime, I take the dogs for a walk. Now, this puppy does the cutest thing on our walks. Every time on our way coming back home, he searches for the perfect stick he will look and look and look, and he will find the stick that's gonna represent this walk, and it's his souvenir that he brings home. So a couple weeks ago, I was walking the dogs, and this cute little puppy's picking out his stick once again, and every time he tried to pick up the stick, it would flop back down. He'd grab it and pull, and boop, there it would go, and he'd grab it and pull so hard, and boom, it would slam back down. So I got a little closer to him wondering, is it a root? Why, why is he unable to pick up the stick? And as I got closer, I realized this silly little puppy had his big fat paw planted on the other end of the stick. That he was the reason he couldn't pick it up. And that struck me as funny because don't we kind of do that to ourselves sometimes? Don't we kind of block our own progress? And it got me thinking about some of the ways that we can block our own progress. It could be unchecked sin, disobedience, trying to control using our own knowledge. Anyone else ever done that? Unforgiveness, doubt, greed, failure to thrive, pride. It got me thinking about all these things we can do as Christians that might get in the way of the blessing. God has for us. And I think sometimes when we're so close to a situation, it's hard to see the big picture. That's why we have phrases like hindsight's 20-20, and it's hard to see the forest for the trees because there's truth in that. So as we were developing this message, God really highlighted for us two areas, two ways, that we can be holding down our own stick. But before we get into that, I wanted to give you a little bit of a glimpse into my mind. Um, and it will help to show the heart behind this message. So when you run into people in ministry, a lot of them have a thing. And for a lot of people, the thing is salvation. Salvation, salvation, that's, that's the main thing that's driving them on in ministry.
0: A passion or a focus. A
1: passion, a focus, yeah. So for me, my passion right now during this time and this season is equipping Christians. And I believe that if we are equipped, if then we can actually carry out our purpose. And if we are equipped to operate as best as we can, that's going to result in salvations. It's going to result in changes in our community. We're going to be so on fire that it's a natural byproduct. So the heart behind this is equipping. It's equipping. And sometimes, we might understand a concept theologically, but it can be hard to figure out how to apply that in our own situation. Ephesians 2:10 says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so we could walk in them." We have a role to play. God created good works for us to walk in, and we need to learn how to co-labor with God to see those manifested here on the earth. So the first way we could be unintentionally holding down our own stick is with our words.
0: The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart many of you may even have heard that translate that verse from a different translation that says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks our words what we say they are come from our heart from our heart and our heart is fueled by our thoughts As we meditate on things, it grows and grows and it fills our consciousness, our heart, and then out it comes. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Do we believe what the Bible says when it says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Do we believe it? Because if we do, it will change the way we talk. I literally paid my kids to read uh, a book about it called Hung by the Tongue by Francis Martin. It's an old book, uh, but it's a good one. It's a short little booklet. Um, If you go to just Google Google, and you put Bible verses about controlling your, your speech or controlling your tongue or your mouth, you will get long lists of Scriptures. Why? Because God has emphasized this from beginning to end of Scripture. It's all over the place. The Bible says in Romans eight sixteen through 17, it says, "...the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, heirs also." Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Who are we? We are Christ's heirs. First Peter two, verse nine says differently. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, I'm talking about royal priesthood. And you may say, well, what does that have to do with what you say? It says here, you're a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim, that means speak, the excellencies of him who called you into darkness. In the Old Testament, the priest was God's mouthpiece. When God wanted to speak to the people of Israel, he spoke to the priest and the priest spoke to them. And then if the people of Israel had anything they wanted to say to God, they spoke to the priest And the priest brought it to God. When the people wanted their sins forgiven, they went to the priest. They brought their sacrifice to the priest and then the priest brought it. The priest was an intermediary. But the New Testament says that there is now one intermediary and that is Jesus Christ. He dwells in us and then it says we are a royal priesthood. You see, your words aren't just any old words because you aren't just any old person. You are a priest. The words you speak represent God. We would look at that as an ambassador. We are here speaking on his behalf. When an ambassador says something embarrassing, it's not just the ambassador who's embarrassed. It's the nation that the ambassador stood for. When he says something, it carries the weight of the country he represents. God says, you are my mouthpiece. When you speak, you carry my authority. He says, one way to look at it is our words are on loan from God. When I declare something to be blessed, God blesses it. When I declare something to be worthless, of no value, to be hopeless, to be, any of those things, I am declaring that with God's mouth. Why? Because I am his mouth. My words have in it his authority. The Bible says that Jesus Christ with the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from sins by his blood. He has made us to be the kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Over and over, Scripture says you are a priest, and that is why your words carry more weight than they would otherwise.
1: That's so true. Let's also look at Matthew 18, 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. In First Peter, we're called a royal priesthood. We have been given so much authority here on earth. God has made us to rule as kings, on earth. And when a king speaks, that's called a decree. And decrees have to be followed. They must be obeyed. There are spiritual implications in the words that we speak. Romans 4:17, a father of many nations, I have made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. We call into being that which does not exist. This is an area that God really, really convicted me in several years ago. I had been battling um, ulcerative colitis, which is a chronic, never-to-be-healed condition um, for 12 years, and I have since been healed, praise Jesus, I'll tell that story sometime. But I had a long battle, 12 years, with this condition. And there were times when I was really miserable and really, really sick, but God convicted me of the way I would speak during those times. And you've probably heard people talk like talk this way, like, oh, it's, my condition is killing me. It's going to be the death of me. Oh, it's so awful. It might be my colitis. It might be arthritis. It could be you know, whatever we're dealing with. Sometimes we have a tendency to say, oh, it's mine. Mine, mine, mine. But what God showed me is that I need to speak his will on earth as it is in heaven. And there is no illness in heaven. Therefore, it is not allowed here on earth in my body. And I will not claim it as mine. I will not allow it to be in my body. So I changed the way I spoke about that. And instead of saying, oh, it's killing me, I would say, I'm battling this. I'm waging war against this. I'm dealing with this. And I think, I think it's important to make this differentiation because sometimes I hear people refuse to ever acknowledge that anything bad is happening. How are you feeling? I'm really great. Everything's good. Everything's peachy. Everything's fine. How are your finances? Everything's peachy. Everything's fine. Too blessed to be stressed kind of mentality. And if you feel convicted to speak that way, um, by the Holy Spirit, by all means do that. But I also think there's value in, in looping in other Christians to your struggles and saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And that helps us pray for each other. And I think, that, I think it makes a lot of sense to loop in your fellow Christians so that we can join together. But
0: to do so without claiming it as your own.
1: Without claiming it as your own. Yeah, so yeah. just to I'm be cautious with, with that phrasing.
0: This is, yeah.
1: right. Um, Romans twelve fourteen tells us to bless and not curse. Oh, I missed a verse, didn't I? Romans, let's look at Romans. What's um, oh, not in there? Do we have it up? We do, bless and not curse. Job twenty two twenty eight says to decree a thing and it will be established for you as co-heirs with Christ. So acknowledging that our decrees have a tremendous amount of power, In the beginning, the word was God. The word was with God. It was God. The words have so, so much power. We have been made in his image with divine authority. So in this moment, I'd like you to think about something going on in your life, something that you have been seeking breakthrough on. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, you know, with your husband or a child. You know, we all have relational things. That's a common prayer request among people. It could also be the issue, a coronavirus issue, or part of this political situation. And I want you to think about the thing that you've been seeking breakthrough in. And I want you to think about the words you use around that situation. If I am seeking breakthrough in my marriage... And I'm praying, God, I I need this breakthrough. You know, my husband this, my husband that. And then I'm going to my girlfriends going, well, he's a this and that. What am I empowering with my speech?
0: Our family is such a vital part of our lives. And I believe an extra, uh, how can I say, within our family, we have more authority than we have outside of our family. So what I declare over my wife and over my kids has more immediate impact than what I declare over my neighbor's house and my neighbor's kids. Mm -hmm. God has given me authority within my home. He's given you authority a relational authority within your home and over your kids. I want you to recognize how much value that has. In Genesis 27, we have the story of Jacob and Esau. They were twins. Esau was born just a few moments before Jacob, but in that time, because of the birthright practice, that meant Esau was going to be blessed by his father with a special blessing as the firstborn. And Jacob wanted that blessing, so much so that when his brother came in one day extremely hungry and saw the soup that Jacob had ready for him, he said to his brother, I'll trade you this soup for the blessing that you have coming. And Esau had the attitude that many of us have. Well, it's just words. Who cares? I'm hungry. In fact, Esau's comment was, well, what good is the blessing if I'm dead? I need to eat. And so he traded his blessing for that thing of soup. Fast forward to when Their father is sick and about to die. He's already gone blind. And he says to his oldest son that he's going to bless him. Go fetch me some venison and come back and I'll give you the the birthright blessing. And off goes Esau, and I don't know if he had just changed his mind. I don't know what kind of arguments Jacob and Esau had had, but Jacob saw that he was about to lose that blessing. He went through an elaborate scheme where he put, it's the Bible says that Esau was extremely hairy and that Jacob was not, and so he put animal hides over his arms so that when his father, who was blind, felt for him, he would feel hair and think that, that it was the older brother. And so he went through this big elaborate scheme all just to get a verbal Blessing. And we see in Scripture how impactful that blessing actually was. How many of us think that profoundly, that deeply, would go to that length over words within our home? Not many of us, but our words have only grown in power since the Old Testament. Now we are priests. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have grown. Listen to this. First Peter chapter 3 verse 10. The one who desires life to love and to see good days. Is that you? Are you someone who desires life and to love and to see good days? I certainly hope so. If that's you, the scripture goes on and says, that person must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit that is so important that we recognize, we change what happens. Now, the reason this is so important is because many of us have an have a inappropriate view of the world. Growing up in western Michigan, we have multiple denominational headquarters in this area who are extremely Calvinistic in their perspectives. Calvinistic, Calvinistic, uh, is Calvin John Calvin had a lot of great things to say but one of the extreme things that he's most famous for is the idea of total predestination that means that whatever god decided in the beginning is going to happen whether i want it to or not if you're going to get saved you're going to get saved whether you want to or not when you got up this morning god had planned from the beginning of the time that you were going to wear this blue shirt and that's just how it's going to be and you're going to marry this person, you're going to do the, the idea that you are not in control, but God is in complete control and you have nothing to do with it. Then there's the other extreme, which is deism, which just says, you know what, God started the world like a top, he spun it, he put some principles into to being, and then he steps back and he doesn't get involved at all, and it just, it goes, and, and he's just kind of back there watching. The Bible shows us something in between. And the Bible says we have something to do with it. Not everything God wants happens automatically. Look at 2 Peter verse 3, 9. It says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. What does this verse say? This verse said that God does not want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. The sad truth that I think all of you know is that there are people who do not repent. The scripture talks about people whose name is not in the Lamb's book of life. There is those who do not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but it's clear that God wants them to. There are things that we have to do. The Bible said, we read this verse earlier, Matthew 16, 19, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What was loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. What we choose to do, we have a role to play. What you say. We're talking about getting out of our own way. We're talking about the the, the illustration there with the puppy standing on the stick. He's in his own way. He's trying to pick that stick up, but he can't because his own paw is on it. We... There are so many things that God desires for us that he has put out there for us to participate in, to do, to accomplish, to to receive. And there we are stopping them, blocking them with our own words. But here's the good news. You don't have to be the world's greatest wordsmith. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, it says, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches out the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God will help us. The Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. He will give us the words.
1: That's such good news that if we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, he will help us he will enable us and empower us and give us the words to speak. And when we speak the words of the Holy Spirit, there is so much power in echoing those words. So maybe as we've been going on and on about the power of speech and decrees and blessings and cursings, uh, maybe you're thinking to yourself, wow, I've, I've been messing this up in a couple areas of my life. Maybe I haven't been blessing my husband. I've been cursing the situation. I've, maybe it's about how I'm speaking around, you know, the political situation. I want you to have some encouragement because you all know that God does do-overs, right? God will allow us to restate what we have intended to state. It is perfectly Fine to say, Lord, please forgive me for these words that I've been speaking. I didn't intend for this to be evil. Please cancel them from the record. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. And Holy Spirit, can I please have a do-over? Will you please allow me to speak the words that will enable the, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven?
0: I, I remember a time When we got together as a family, we we wrote out what we wanted to say about each and every one of our kids. We got everyone in the room and we said, literally, we apologized to our kids and to God. we said, we're canceling what we did before. Now this is what we declare. And we went through and we spoke intentionally that which we wanted to see come to pass.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty powerful moment. So as we were... Preparing for this message, the second thing that God really showed us clearly is this image that Jesus is the head, and we are the body. Colossians 1:18 says, "He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He himself will come to have first place in everything. This gives us the picture that Jesus is the head of the church. And 1 Corinthians 12:27 says, "Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it." This tells us that we, the church, are the body of Christ. Each one of us has a role to play in that body. Philippians 2:13 says, "For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure." God has a plan for us. He has work for us to do as the body of Christ. But if we're looking at this natural illustration of the head and the body, it got me thinking, what would have to take place in the natural for me to be able to move my paw off a stick or my foot? Right? So the first thing is the thought. I have to think to myself, I need to move my foot. And then a signal travels through my nervous system which innervates all these muscles and fires all of the muscle fibers in exactly the right order at exactly the right time and the right sequence and, and I can move my foot. But what happens if that signal is interrupted? What happens if my foot isn't completely getting the signal? I've actually had this experience. I have had three ACL reconstructions, pretty major knee surgeries. And after my second one, I had, my knee had to be immobilized. For a longer period of time, there was some additional damage. So when I finally was able to do physical therapy and start moving again, one of my muscles wouldn't move. It wouldn't budge. It completely had lost the signal. Um, it was my vastus medialis, the pretty, um, Important muscle in terms of like your quadricep and your knee strength. And I would look at that muscle and I would think, move, move, and it wouldn't even twitch. And what happened in my situation is the physical therapist had to put electrodes on that muscle and then slowly turn up the juice. And they would turn it up, turn it up, turn up the electricity, and it would contract. And they did that over and over and over until that muscle could be shocked back into functioning. So my question is, are you getting the signal? Are, does the Holy Spirit, who is the nervous system, by the way, if Jesus is the head and we are the body, the Holy Spirit is the nervous system. He's the one sending us those signals. Are you getting the signals? Or is God staring down, like me staring at my knee, going, contract, contract, move, it's time, it's time. And as we think about ways that could, what could happen that could block that signal? What could happen? And I think about injury and trauma. It could be rebellion, it could be living in the flesh. It could be unchecked sin, not yielding, not wanting to give up our control. It could be hardness of heart, offense, past religious hurts. I actually, I have a friend who experienced some really, really weird stuff at a church. There was a lot of weird things going on in the name of the Holy Spirit. And when you go through that experience, maybe, maybe you've put up a block that says, you know, that was too weird. I don't want that to be me and that can be one of the causes of losing that connection. Ephesians 4:30 30 to 32 says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice." That anger, that bitterness, that malice, those are also things that can grieve the Holy Spirit and can block that signal. Looking at Colossians 2.8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than of Christ. Staying in the flesh and not engaging the spirit, the more we do that, the quieter that signal gets. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I highlight that because I don't just have the Holy Spirit for me. It's for the common good. You don't have it just for you. It's for the common good. We are one body. So if I'm not doing my part, or if you're not doing your part, if we're not getting that signal, we are essentially crippling the body of Christ, are we not?
0: Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 says, therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Think of that illustration, applies perfectly. And make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Mm -hmm. When there is a block, it is, God, it is not God's desire to throw that out, that person out to get rid of that. No, his desire is to heal it, to restore it. As you said before, God is the God of second chances. Just recently, we were reading um, in uh, a, the, near, the declaration of beliefs of a denomination uh, within this town, and they made a change I'm proud of them, in 2016. Prior to 2016, their declaration was the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. They're gone. And in 2016, they reworded it. But it was so interesting to me what they said. Basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically they said, well, we have to acknowledge that the gifts of the Spirit are real and that God might still be doing that sometimes, some places. But... It's so easy to abuse them and to have disorder that we've decided we'll avoid them, but at least now we acknowledge they exist. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, how God, like I'm glad for the progress, but my heart breaks to see that they just, they're blocking. And many of us have done something similar. We have looked and we have seen God work through something, or better yet, someone do something that they claimed was from God. And it wasn't. And we are so afraid to do that. We don't want to do something that to us seemed strange or that was obviously not right. And so we've said, I would rather miss the boat than get splashed. I'd rather miss the boat entirely. And so we have shut down the nervous system we are blocking what the Holy Spirit would have to say to us God listen you don't have to be afraid that the Holy Spirit is going to turn you into a weirdo the Bible is clear the scripture talks about structure and and doing things right in church it says hey listen don't when it comes to tongues in the church he says, you know what? If there isn't an interpretation, then it doesn't serve the body. So do that. Paul says, hey, I, I, I speak in tongues and I'm proud that I speak in tongues more than you all. But in church, I, use the, 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 I speak with understanding. But there was an entire side to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's an entire side to what God is trying to accomplish through you. And I believe, we believe, that there are some of you who are watching today who, for one reason or another, have a block between what the Holy Spirit has been trying to do and your life. You have impeded. Your foot is on the stick. You are in your own way. Some of it is with your speech. Some of it is from a scar, an injury, a situation that took place where you then blocked the nervous system and said, you know what, I'm immobilizing that aspect of my spirituality. I am not going to allow anything to happen because I'm too afraid that it would be abused, that it will be uh, disorderly, that something about it isn't going to be right, and they've shut down. Like I said, their entire denominations who make a stance there. It's real. We don't want it. What we want to do as we close today is we're going to pray. If you are home or in your car or in your hammock outdoors enjoying the weather, wherever you are watching today, if you recognize that there is a block between what the Holy Spirit is saying And what you have been receiving if you acknowledge that perhaps your foot is on the stick that needs to be picked up then we're going to pray and we're going to declare that blockage removed so if that's you it doesn't matter if you raise your hand or not. Just believe with us now as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for every brother and sister out there who is in that situation, Lord. We rebuke uh, the inner vows that they have made that may be blocking. We rebuke the injury, the, the, the offense, the trauma that may have taken place that has caused them to close up to the voice of your Holy Spirit. We declare uh, freedom to them, Lord. We thank you for the plans that you have for us. Lord, we recognize that you are good and whatever plans you have for us are for our good. They are for our blessing. We don't have to be afraid to yield to you because we know that you have our best at heart. Lord, we just declare your peace over those people in Jesus' name.
1: I rebuke the spirit of unforgiveness, of hardness of hearts. I declare that any residue from past offense be wiped clear in the name of Jesus. I command any spirit, principality, power, ruler, blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. I release the Holy Spirit to flow freely, to flow through us, to allow us to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet that we were intended to be. I release supernatural awareness and sensitivity To the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus.
0: And I rebuke the spirit of fear. Fear, you have no place in our lives. You have no place in their lives. We rebuke you from this church, this body, and this kingdom. Lord, fear, you have no place here. God, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for being a part of our service today. I also want to mention, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can have one. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you can be saved. It says you will be saved, actually. Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. If you're here and you know that your sins are forgiven, I am so happy for you. If you don't know, you can right now know with certainty. We're just going to pray really quick. We're going to do what that scripture said and at the end of it, we'll know that you are right with God, that your sins are forgiven. Just repeat after me and mean it in your heart. Dear God, I know that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.